in the first half, we introduced the new section that we're moving into, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 through 16, where we're dealing with the issue of head covering. And I indicated that uh, the apostle had dealt with worship in terms of idolatry. Now he moved into worship among believers in Corinth and so all believers everywhere. That he dealt with three things that concerned the Corinthians and so concerns the church of Christ everywhere. The first thing he dealt with is head covering. That we say he dealt in 1 Corinthians 11 verses 2 through 16. The second thing has to do with the Lord's Supper that he dealt with in 1 Corinthians 11 verses 17 through 20, uh, 34. The third thing he dealt with had to do with spiritual gifts. This he covered in chapters 12 through 14, particularly paying attention to the gift of speaking in tongues, prophecy, and love. Now, these were things that he had to deal with, but for us, we said we need to begin with verse 2, where the apostles didn't actually immediately talk about the head covering. Instead, we see him praising the Corinthians. And so we spend time to show there's nothing wrong with people praising or commending you. In fact, I indicated really that every husband ought to do that frequently. Praise your wife. When, he do, when she does something great. Of course, the other side of it is you rebuke when they don't. And, uh, but I emphasize this one fact, and that is this, that praise is a trap. Whenever you are praised, if you are on the receiving end, know that's a trap. It has a spiritual trap that can lead you into arrogance. And that is why I say, don't take my word for it. So I quoted Proverbs 27 verse 21. So you can see that there it tells us that crucible for silver, furnace for gold, but a man is tested by the praise he receives. So that is why when people commend you, you have to be very careful. If anything, like I said in the first half, you know, to be on the safe side, be, behave this way. You hear a praise, it comes here, let it go out that way. Don't let it sink in. In that way, you'll be safe. But there's nothing wrong with somebody shouting praise upon you for doing something correct. But at the same time, you should also be willing to take the other part of it, which is rebuking a person for not doing what the person is supposed to do. So, we said that the, uh, the apostle did commend the uh, Corinthians because of something he said for remembering me in everything. And so we spend the first half saying there are two problems with that uh, verbal phrase for remembering me in everything. The first problem is how to translate it. Because I showed you 
I made a reference to two English translations that instead of saying, uh, remembering me in everything, said, because you remember me always. And I spent time to explain that the word everything, the Greek word, pass, that means all or everything, in some context, may be translated always. And I argued that the apostle, whenever he did that, he was always talking about himself in something that's completed, an action that he was aware of. Now, so, based on all my argument and so forth and so on, I came to the conclusion that a translation of the NIV and those that are similar to it should be the right thing that the apostle had in his mind. So, we did that, and then we ran out of time for break. So we now come back and deal with the second problem of that when it says, uh, for remembering me in everything. The second problem, what does it mean? The translation. And that's why we begin this second uh, half. Anyway, the second problem, again, of the verbal phrase, for remembering me in everything, or as we have indicated, involves how to interpret it. On a surface reading, it appears that the apostle was concerned with personal remembrance of himself by the Corinthians or thinking about him in a personal way. But that would not have been his focus. Thus, the phrase is concerned with instructions the apostle had taught the Corinthians and he's living it out what he taught. That's what he will be saying, not in a personal remembrance. Now this will of course be in keeping with what he had already indicated was his reason for sending Timothy to them as he stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 17. First Corinthians chapter four verse seventeen. He reads For this reason I'm sending to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Now I'm saying that the apostle commended the Corinthians for remembering his teaching to them and his way of life that agrees with that teaching because their question, uh, because their question that he has so far addressed and continue to address show that they were thinking of the various doctrines he communicated to them. So the reason we contain that the apostle was more concerned about the Corinthians remembering his instructions and the way of life that results from it. It's twofold. The first is that these two things, his teaching, his lifestyle, fit well in the phrase of 1 Corinthians 11 verse 2 when it says, in everything, or literally, in all things. The second is the word remembering. That word remembering. Now the, uh, the apostle used two Greek words that may mean to remember, 
primarily to reference the teaching of the word of God than, in, than any personal reference to himself. So the apostle used the word to remember, to remind the elders of the Ephesian church about his teaching to them as stated in, the, in Acts chapter 20 verse 31. Acts 20 Acts chapter 20 verse 31 And hold on to that Acts It reads So Be on your guard Remember That for three years I never stopped warning each of you Night and day With tears so what he's saying, remember what I was teaching you. Not his personal uh, concern or so. Now he, saw, he also used the word to remember, to point the attention of the Ephesians to the teaching of our Lord Jesus. As stated still in that Acts 20, look at verse 35. Verse 35. Verse 35 of Acts chapter 20 reads In everything I did I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive really what it is you are happier giving than receiving. That's really what it means. You are happier giving than receiving. Anyway, the apostle used the word remember to instruct Ephesians to recollect their uh, spiritual state prior to their salvation to help them recognize what Christ has done for them in bringing them to a state where there is no difference between believers and Christ, as we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Ephesians 2, verse 11 reads, Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision that are done in the body by the hands of men. In other words, he said, remember what you were now that you are in Christ. Remember before that you weren't part of God's people. And so he reminded the Thessalonians of his teaching to them regarding what must take place before the coming of the Lord. In, as we read in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2, 
verses 5 through 6. It is, Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things, and now you know who is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. Now when Apostle Paul used the word remember in a personal way in communicating to believers, he leaves no doubt what he means or what he implies. For example, he used the word remember when he reminded the Thessalonians about his hard work and his hardships or troubles while he was with them, as we read in First Thessalonians chapter two, verse nine. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse nine reads Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We walked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. So the Thessalonians were aware of the apostles' troubles while he was with them, as we may gather from what Luke recorded in Acts chapter 17, verses 13 and 14. Acts chapter 17, verses 13 and 14. Acts chapter 17, verse 13 reads, When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Thus, when the apostle wrote of Thessalonians, remembering his troubles, he will be referring to the persecution of the Jews that they were aware. Now, the apostle used the word remember to instruct the Colossians regarding what he wants them to do regarding his imprisonment that will certainly involve praying for him, as we read in Colossians chapter 4, Verse 18. Colossians. Chapter 4. Verse 18. Colossians 4. Verse 18. Grace I. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Now we would expect that if the apostle meant 
that the Corinthians should remember him in a personal way, that he will refer to his persecution in the hands of the Jews in Corinth, that they were aware, as Luke also narrated, a Jewish persecution of the apostle in Acts chapter 18, verses 12 through 16. Acts chapter 18 verses 2 I mean verses 12 through 16 It is while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Galileo said to the Jews, If you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourself. I will not be a judge of such things. So he had them ejected from the court. And where there is more, it is really difficult to conceive of what the apostle would have meant by the Corinthians remembering him, since there's nothing so far in the epistle that implies the Corinthians were thinking of him personally, except based on his teaching or the ministry that contributed to the partisanship in Corinth and his way of life in living out the truth of what he taught not only to the Corinthians but to the other local churches. So he had already indicated that he refused support from them. So it is difficult to determine how the apostle would have known they were remembering him personally. See, the apostle spoke of the Philippians being concerned about him. But this was because of their support of him as we read in Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 to 11. Philippians chapter 4 verses 10 through 11. Philippians 4 verses 10 through 11 reads, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned. But you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So anyway, it is our interpretation then that when the apostle wrote the verbal phrase of 1 Corinthians 11 verse 2, Remembering me in everything, he was primarily focused on the instructions 
or teaching he delivered to them and his lifestyle that goes with his teaching. Now this is not to say that uh, the Corinthians could not have also remembered the apostles' persecution as that is possible because of the phrase in everything. That will include such remembrance. Nonetheless, we contend that the apostle praised the Corinthians not for remembering him as a person, but remembering what he taught them and his lifestyle that Timothy reminded them. Hence, the reason the apostle commended the Corinthians is remembering his teaching to them and a lifestyle that agrees with what he taught them. Now in the first half you recall, I've said many times the motive behind people praising others is because they want something more. That's usually the motive. No, no, in all cases, but in most in some situations people, they praise because of something they want to uh, get from you. Now, the apostle, his reason is simply that these people remember his teaching. So the point remains then that the apostle's focus in remembering the Corinthians of him was on his teaching to them. Now it may be difficult to recognize that the apostle is concerned with one reason instead of two. For commending the Corinthians which is remembering his teaching and subsequent uh, lifestyle that agrees with his teaching. Now consequently, the apostle began the next clause of where we started in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 2. Go back there. Now he begins the clause with the word and, so that the clause reads, and for holding to the teaching just as I pass them on to you. See, the conjunction and is a reason someone may uh, take the position that the apostle is concerned with two reasons for praising the Corinthians. See, the conjunction and is translated from a Greek word that in our passage is subject to three possible interpretations. It could be interpreted as being used to join the present clause to the previous one in such a way that the apostle provided a second reason for his commendation of the Corinthians. That's one interpretation. Another interpretation is a tense conjunction as a marker of explanation of what preceded the clause associated with it. In which case, though, the Greek conjunction may be translated something like, namely, or that is, that is. So the implication of this interpretation is that the clause for holding to the teaching, just as I pass them on to you, explains what it means when the apostle wrote the verbal phrase of the first clause, for remembering me in everything. So that will be explained. Still another 
possible interpretation is that the apostle used the conjunction as a marker of result from what preceded it, in which case it could be translated and so, and so. The implication of this interpretation is that the apostle meant that the result of the Corinthians remembering him using the words of the NIV is holding firm to what he taught them. That would be the implication of the result. Now each of these three interpretations makes sense in the context. Now see, if remembering the apostle is that of personal remembrance of him, of his person, then the first interpretation may well be what the apostle meant. Now thus, the first interpretation leads to two reasons for praising the Corinthians. In other words, that, when he use and, it will be that he's adding a second reason. So that will be why some people say he has two reasons, although we have I've mentioned only has one. Anyway, while really, if we take the second and the third interpretation, remember the second one giving an explanation of the previous clause, or the, the third interpretation that has to do with result, that is telling us the result of the first clause. If we take any of those two, then we have only one reason. Now, nonetheless, we have argued that the apostle was not concerned with personal Remembrance of him, but his teaching and subsequent lifestyle that agrees with his teaching. Now the second interpretation is possible, but it's not likely what the apostle had in mind. Therefore, it is the third interpretation of results that makes better sense. In other words, we are saying that the, the apostle in the first part of First Corinthians 11.2 commended the Corinthians for remembering his teaching. Now because of their remembrance of his teaching, the Corinthians acted in a way stated in the second clause of verse 2. That's why we, we believe it's more of the result. He said, you remember what I taught you. Look at the result of it. Instead of, yeah, you remember this is what it really means. Uh, it makes sense, but we believe it's more, he said, the result, look at it, what, this is the result of what I taught you. So then we are saying that the result of the Corinthians remembering the teachings of the apostle and his lifestyle, that is in keeping with what he taught them, is that they were holding firm to what he passed on to them. See, that's, see if, you, if you remember if the result is you remembered, then you're going to hold firm to it. That's why we dismiss the idea of, even though it's possible, that of explanation. Rather, it's telling us, this is the result. Will you, you hold firm to what I have taught you? That's the result. So it is this result of the Corinthians remembering the apostle that is given in the last closing of First Corinthians 11 verse 2 that we're starting. He said, for holding to the teachings just as I pass them on to you. Now literally, really, the Greek, this is what the Greek reads. Just as I pass on to you 
You hold fast the traditions. You hold fast the traditions. Now the Corinthians did what every believer should. Which is to adhere firmly to the truth of God's word communicated to him or her. In the sense of not just remembering what has been taught. By putting it into practice. Now, I think people, I can say this truthfully. One of our problems, those in a congregation such as ours, the problem is not so much of what is taught, but that of application. That also, you know, you hear all these things, but do you put them in practice? That's usually the problem of Bible teaching local churches. So that's something that we all, as believers, have to work on hardly to ensure what we hear, we put into practice. So this is the thing they, uh, the Corinthians did whatever they had from the apostle, they put into practice. Now, now when I say that, it doesn't mean all of them did, or that they did it perfectly. No. Otherwise, we would, have, we would now have to admit that they are perfect. They weren't. Anyway, the issue is that they did their best to put into practice. Now this is implied with the word holding when it says uh, for holding to the teaching. That word holding. Now the word holding of the NIV is translated from a Greek word that may mean to hold down or to suppress. To suppress. As it is used to describe those who reject God's word and so are objects of his wrath as stated in Romans chapter 1 verse 18. Romans chapter 1 verse 18. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 reads, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now the word may mean to keep in one's possession. As Apostle Paul used it in describing how a believer should respond to material things purchased, considering the fact that the world is dying as, and that the Lord's return is imminent, as we have already studied in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 30. First Corinthians. Chapter 7, verse 30. 1 Corinthians, chapter 7, verse 30. Say, those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. In other words, no firm attachment to this world. 
That's really what it comes down to. Now the Greek word may mean to adhere firmly to traditions or convictions or beliefs. To adhere strongly to this. Hence, means to hold to or to hold fast. So the word is used to encourage the Corinthians to keep in their memory or to hold firmly the gospel message they heard. As stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 2. First Corinthians chapter 15 verse 2. It reads by this, gospel, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Now in our passage of First Corinthians eleven verse two the word is used in the sense of to hold fast or to adhere firmly in that a person continues to believe and practice what is taught. The apostle used the present tense in the Greek to report the action of the Corinthians. Now his use of the present tense in this verse implies repeated action on the part of the Corinthians. They repeatedly held firm what they received from the apostle and practiced them. So we could say that they have indeed formed the habit of putting to practice what they have learned. So what is it that the apostle commended the Corinthians for holding firm and practicing? What is it? Well the answer a person will give depends on the English version that the individual reads. The NIV indicates it is the teaching because of the, look at the verbal phrase of verse 2 where we're studying. It says, holding to the teachings. Holding to the teachings. So he said, okay, what are you holding from? They will say, to the teachings. But literally, the literal translation indicates it is tradition. Because the Greek really reads, you hold fast the traditions. That's how the Greek reads. You hold fast the traditions. Now the word teachings of the NIV is translated from a Greek word, paradosis. Paradosis. That refers to the content of instruction that has been handed down and so means tradition as it is used by the Pharisees and teachers of the law to condemn the practice of the disciples of Jesus Christ as we read in Matthew chapter 15 verse 2. Matthew chapter 15 verse 2. Matthew Chapter 15, verse 2. And hold on to that, Matthew, and pick up the next verse 2. It is Matthew chapter 15, verse 2. Why do you, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? 
They don't wash their hands before they eat. Now although the Jewish religious leaders considered the instructions passed on to them from their fathers as Biden or something that they have to do. The Lord Jesus indicated it was not the same as God's command as we read in his response to the religious leaders or authorities in the same Matthew chapter 15. Look at the next verse. Verse 3. He said, Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of a tradition? Something that many of us today as Christians, we find ourselves following tradition contrary to God's word. So this is what the apostle, I mean, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ charged these religious authorities. They, they will not do what God says, but they uh, criticize the apostles or disciples of Jesus Christ for what they do. Now, Apostle Paul also used the Greek word to describe the traditions of his fathers that he zealously guarded prior to his conversion, as we read in Galatians chapter 1, verse 14. Galatians Galatians chapter 1 verse 14 It is I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Now the traditions the apostle meant were those of the rabbis that were rejected by the Sadducees but accepted by the Pharisees. And the apostle also used the Greek word to describe teachings that were in opposition to apostolic teachings as we read in Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 reads, See to it that no one takes away that takes you captive through hollow and hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Now the apostle used of course the Greek word for his teaching that he delivered to the Thessalonians. So he used that word to, in the sense of teaching in his statement record, uh, that is recorded for us in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 
verse 15. Second Thessalonians. And hold on to that. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 15. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 15 reads, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teaching we pass on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Now that phrase, to the teachings, is literally to the traditions, to the traditions. Now, Similar meaning of teaching is used for a Greek word in Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse six. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse six. It reads, "In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers." To keep away from every brother who is idle and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. In other words, if you know of a believer who is very idle and doesn't live according to truth, say keep away from such a person. That means very few Believer you even associate with. See, a whole lot of us believers are just not living according to truth. Anyway, the phrase according to the teaching is literally according to the tradition. Now, in our passage of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, the Greek word has a sense of tradition. Tradition. That is, a specific practice of long standing handed down from respected authorities and of course any other tradition of the church that has been passed down to the Corinthians. So you see the thing is already an IV used teaching, yes, we can see from the passages I've shown you that's one of the meanings. However, if the apostle meant only teaching, one will wonder why he did not use one of the Greek words that he used for teaching. For example, he used the word didache. Didache. That means teaching to describe what he gave to the Romans in Romans chapter 6 verse 17. Romans chapter 6, verse 17. Romans chapter 6, verse 17. It is, But thanks be to God, that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly Obey the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. See that word teaching, didache. In there's a book 
uh, one of the apostolic writings is called the Didache. That this is teaching of the twelve. That's what the Didache used here means. But here we have Didache. That's a word for teaching. And he also used, the apostle used another Greek word, Didascalia, that means teaching. As to describe what Timothy would have followed if he committed the truth the apostle gave him to others. As we read in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 6. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 6. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 6 reads, If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus. Brought up in the truths of the faith and of good teaching, that is didascalia in the Greek, that you have followed. Thus, it is probably because the apostle had in mind both teaching and traditions of the Christian faith that he used the word that literally means tradition. In other words, for remembering traditions. But we say that when he used that word tradition, he meant not just teaching, but also other traditions that are handed down to the church of Christ. What tradition? Well, we do know one of it. It's called the Lord's Supper. That's a tradition. And that the apostle mentioned in the passage we are studying, go to 1 Corinthians 11, that we are studying. Go back there, but look at verse 23. Verse 23. Verse 23 reads, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed to bread. That is a tradition. It's not a teaching, it's a tradition. This is what we do. Because the law commanded it, but it's a tradition. So the point is that the apostle was thinking about the teaching the Corinthians received and the tradition he gave them since he was about really to deal with head covering that concerns tradition. So to cover both Teaching and tradition. He used the word tradition in the plural in the Greek. Because we have shown that the Greek word can also mean teaching. But it also means tradition. So when he used that in plural here, it's really it's his way of saying, yes, for remembering or putting into practice the teachings, but also the traditions. Now the traditions then that the apostle had in mind were described in the clause we are studying in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 2 when it says, just as I pass them on to you. Now remember one of the things I read 
And when I read verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, he said, I pass on to you. So here, we have, he said, I pass them on to you. The word passed is translated from a Greek word that may mean to betray. As it is used in Jesus' statement regarding the arrangements to hand him over to the Jewish religious authorities as recorded in Matthew chapter 20 verse 18. Matthew chapter 20 verse 18. It reads, Matthew 18.20 reads, We are going up to Jerusalem, and a son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. So here, our Greek word is translated betray. Now the word may mean to hand down, to hand down, as in the church trumped against Stephen as we read in Acts chapter 6 verse 14. Acts Acts chapter 16 I mean chapter 6 verse 14. Acts chapter 6 verse 14 reads, and hold on to Acts because the next passage is also in Acts. Acts chapter 6 verse 14 reads, For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. So here the Greek word that means pass, transfer pass, here means handed down. Now the word also may mean to commit, to commit, as it is used to describe the action of the church in Antioch when they sent Paul and Barnabas on a mission trip, as we read in in Acts, look at chapter 14 verse 26. Acts chapter 14 verse 26. It is from Atalia. They sailed back to Antioch where they had been committed. That's a Greek word here. It's committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. So the word may mean to entrust them, as Apostle Paul used it to describe obedience of the Roman believers regarding the teaching they received, as in the passage we cited previously, that is Romans 6 verse 17. Romans 6 verse 17. You don't have to go back there, let me just read it again. It is 
But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you who heartedly obeyed the form of teaching of which you were entrusted. So our Greek word is trusted here, entrusted. Now the word may mean to pass on to another what one knows of oral or written tradition with various nuances of course. Doesn't the word means to pass down as Apostle Paul used it to describe the observation of the Lord's Supper as he conveyed to the Corinthians in the passage which already cited which is uh, 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23 don't have to write it down I'll just read it again it is for I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread so that's a tradition he said, I pass that on to you. They celebrated a bit of mess of things, which we're going to see at the right time to study by the grace of God. Now, so, the meaning of to pass down, though, is also used to describe the commands the Lord of the Lord, as Apostle Peter conveyed in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Second Peter Second Peter chapter two verse twenty-one. So it reads Second Peter chapter two verse twenty-one reads It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it. And then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Now this is a warning to every one of us. That if after hearing all this truth, you flip and ignore it. You say, you know, your state was such a terrible state. That it would have been even better if you didn't hear it. In a sense, but it doesn't absorb anyone. Ignorance does not absorb. But here... It is important that once you hear the truth, don't ignore it. Don't turn away from it. Or say, I am tired now of doing whatever it is. When you do that, you just brought yourself a whole lot of trouble. So don't do that. That's the whole idea. They turn back. It would have been better if they didn't know. Anyway, in our passage of 1 Corinthians 11 verse 2, though, a Greek word is used in the sense of to pass on to another what one knows, either of, from oral or of written tradition. Hence, the apostle handed Christian tradition, such as the Lord's Supper, and passed on to them, or taught the Corinthians, the doctrines of the Church of Christ, or the Christian faith. So, that's the thing the apostle prepared before he gave into 
what we're going to begin from next week, verse, from verse 3. His point, what he's trying to show them, is I'm praising you. He's setting them up, more or less, because he's going to come back on them for not acting the way they are supposed to act. So that is why I have uh, emphasized the importance for us to know that there's nothing wrong in commending people. It just means, first of all, be truthful if you're doing that. You know a whole lot of people. I mean, you know that that is not a trick on you, but I've, I've been in an office around so many times. I hear those kind of things. Where they, you know, and when it comes up, and they say, what a beautiful clothes you're wearing, or whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. And what, she just could hardly move out, and they talk to the day, say, what's that's a terrible thing, you know. That's being dishonest. We're not talking about that kind of thing. We're talking about you genuinely praise people for what they've done. Tell them the truth. If they've done something that uh, requires you to comment, comment them. Praise them. But you should be truthful. Don't, you know, do some of these things. People do what they call sugar coating. Don't do that. Just tell the truth. If you praise somebody, that's great. But then also emphasize that if you are the recipient of that praise, you better be careful. Because that's a trap, spiritually, that you can get into. Your head gets swollen, and you think you are whatever you think you are. Just know that praise should not cause you to have what I call a fat head. Anyway, now the commendation of the Corinthians by the apostle includes the fact that they did not deviate from the pattern of what he transmitted to them. And that is what is implied then in the phrase, the last phrase that we're looking at in the passage we're studying, verse 2, it says, just as, just as. That word is translated from a Greek adverb that means as or just as, as a matter of similarity in events and states. Hence, the word uh, has that implication of something being in accordance with something else. So, the Corinthians followed the pattern of the traditions the apostle gave to them. Hence, we also have the responsibility of conforming to what is taught in the word of God and adhering to whatever it is without modification to suit us. See, that's part of the problem we modern Christians face. We want to take the Bible and twist it around, suit it, because, make it suit us. We shouldn't do that. We take it just the way it is, no matter how difficult it is, ask God the Holy Spirit to enable us to do it. It's not in our power to live that way. By, but by the power of the Spirit, we can live according to truth. So, the challenge for us is, yes, the Apostle has commended to the Corinthians for what they have done correct, but then he was also going to chastise them for what they did wrong. So, my thing is for you to go home today recognizing nothing wrong with praising people. When you see somebody do something right, praise it, that person. But if you are the recipient, all I'm saying is, be very careful 
Because that can be a trap for you. Let's pray. As we end our study this morning, there may be someone here this morning or someone listening over the internet. We want you to know of the love of God for you. That love is so amazing. That God did not act like many people will do. I love you. They say, they turn around and stab you at the back. No. The love of God was demonstrated in action. How? He sent his son. The second member of the Godhead. He left heaven in all his glories. Lowered himself so he can elevate you. He did that. In a way that no human mind can really conceive. What a love can do that. No one ever thought of you. No one even cared about you. Or no one is capable of caring about you. As God himself. So his love for you. Is why his son Jesus Christ came to this planet. He is God the creator. He already created hell. For those who are going to spend eternity there. What an awful thing it will be. To be in a place where there's nothing good from God that will reach you. An absolute darkness, in a sense. Cut off from God. Yet Christ said, I don't want you to go there. I created it, alright, for those who are not going to listen to me. So I've come down to take your place, knowing that you are sinful. You, there's nothing in you that God can look at and say, yeah, go to heaven. Every part of us is sinful. Because the Bible says, all our righteousness are like filthy rags. Nothing. We have nothing to present. So, God in His grace, in His mercy, Jesus Christ offered Himself. He took your sins. It doesn't matter what they are. It doesn't matter how horrible they are. It doesn't matter what kind of life you have lived. He took all of that. He paid for them. There's only one thing left. And that is how do you respond to what he did on the cross. That's why the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. What are you going to believe? Again, the Bible tells us these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Believe in him, you have life through his name. If you believe that he died, rose again the third day, you will receive a total forgiveness of your sins, everything what came, and you spend eternity with him. On the other hand, you say, well, I don't know. My friend, you are knocking at the door of hell. So I plead with you. Turn around. By faith in Christ. Accept him. Believe him. And escape God's coming judgment. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the study of your word. We pray that God the Holy Spirit will challenge us to recognize that we should be people who receive praise, who give praise, but also to recognize the danger of receiving praise from people. This is our request in Christ's name. Amen.